Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning, again, we continue our series, What is Easter? And so, again, for us here in the church calendar, our theme is Easter for several more weeks. So we're taking more than just Easter Sunday to look at what Easter is, but we are kind of unfolding a greater, a deeper understanding of Easter, of what it means that Jesus, the one who died on the cross, three days later rose from the grave. And we're doing that as we explore those who encountered Jesus. Now, many encounter the risen Jesus, and a number of those are recorded for us in the Bible. We kicked it off with Mary Magdalene, who met Jesus at the tomb. Again, you know, she's weeping, didn't recognize who he was, and he said her voice, and her heart was filled with hope. She knew that she was one that was rescued, that she was redeemed, that she was restored by the God who loves her. Last week, you know, we explored the two disciples who were, you know, walking towards a town called Emmaus, if I get my words out right, you know, walking away from Jerusalem. They were disappointed. They were discouraged. And Jesus walks alongside of them and brings them encouragement and hope. Today, we have the disciples locked behind closed doors in fear, anxiety, uncertainty. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the risen Savior. And Lord, sometimes it's easy for us to think about that only on Easter Sunday. Only maybe when we're dealing with death. But Lord, you being a risen Savior speaks to every moment of our lives. The moments that are terrifying and uncertain to the moments of celebration. We pray that you'd help us to see more deeply into our own lives, what it means when we say those words, that you are risen. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's we'll start with the question this morning. The question for you is this, what is a nickname that you've been given? John, do you have a nickname? Maybe he sinks down in the pew if you can't see him. Like, oh, I, I raise my hand. You know, I mean, I, I, how many of you have a nickname? How many have more than one nickname? You know, and, and every nickname's got a story behind it, right? I mean, one of the nicknames that I have from growing up as a little kid, I'm going to tell you this, was Biddy Gigi. And you think, where did that come from? Because my cousin couldn't say Biddy Jimmy, and so it came as Biddy Gigi. So every once in a while, you know, my brothers would tease me, Biddy Gigi. I'm like, oh, You know, I, I, other nicknames, you know, that I picked up. Here's a nickname um, that comes from a character in a cartoon movie that if you were here when I first came in as pastor here at Hawaii Savior, my, my dear friend um, decided to say, hey, this is who your pastor is, just so you get to know him. And that is Hammy. If you know the movie Over the Hedge. <laughs> and if you know Hammy, you know that is, I resemble that in no way whatsoever. <laughs> Especially after a couple of cups of coffee. <laughs> Where do you get the name from? I don't know. I just, this is who I am. You know, that same group of guys I hung out with, you know, also call me the Energizer Bunny because I just kind of keep going and going and going and going and going. You know, people who know, like, what time did you go to bed? I don't know, one, two o'clock. What time did you get up? Well, I don't know, four, five o'clock. Just got to go. You know, nicknames. You know, and sometimes you get a name and then that nickname, you know, lingers for a while. And sometimes you get a nickname and it, just, it sticks to you. You know, you do something, you have something about you, and that name stays with you 
forever. It shapes maybe who you are and how people understand you. Now, this is exactly what we experience in this gospel reading today from the gospel of John, John 20, is a nickname. It's a nickname that I think you know, is captured in part in this beautiful artwork um, of a guy named Downing Thomas. Yeah, it's kind of an unfair you know, name to give him in some ways. And I, I love this artwork here. You can kind of, I, mean, I don't know about you. If you catch the words of Jesus, this is, this is so like graphic. He's sticking his finger right into the side. I thought about like, we just leave this up there for a while. Can we make his finger weak a little, little bit? You know, um, you know that, that, that here's a guy who's called Doubting Thomas. Now, before that, he's called, another name he was given was Didymus. You know, also called, Thomas called Didymus. Didymus is a word that meant twin, which then we assume he probably had a twin brother or maybe a twin sister. So he's called twin. But the name that history has laid on this guy that seems to have stuck to him like glue, kind of like being called Hammy, is Doubting Thomas. So let's kind of back into the story a little bit here. You know, what's going on here? Let's unfold this. You know, again, this is the first day of the week. It is Sunday. Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples, this group of guys, have heard this from the women like Mary Magdalene and the others who were at the tomb who met Jesus. And they're still just in disbelief. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Jesus died. We saw him die. We buried him in the tomb. We put the big stone in front of the tomb. The guy is dead. People don't usually come back to life, except for Jesus, you know, a week earlier raised somebody from the dead. But we won't talk about that, right? Because it just doesn't make sense. And they're terrified because they believe that, you know, that others, the religious leaders, are looking for them and want to put them to death as well. So they're hiding out. And I don't know about you, have you ever been anxious and uncertain? Ever struggled in fear? Wanted to lock yourself away? I mean, whether you wanted to or not, uh, uh, most of the world had that, thankfully not now, but several years ago, around this time, you know, right before Easter happened, you know, most of us were locked away in our homes and someone's really dealing with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. But it doesn't just have to be a pandemic that can do that to us. And sometimes we're not locked behind physical doors, but the emotional and relational doors that we lock ourselves behind. So you're the disciples, they're locked behind closed doors, not only physically, but they are spiritually locked behind these closed doors. Dealing with anxiety and fear and uncertainty. And Jesus comes, and he stands in their midst, and he shows himself that he's really alive, that he truly has risen from the dead. And we know that one guy is missing, Thomas. And Thomas says, yeah, right. You know, unless I see him, unless I get to put my finger in the wounds in his hands, you know, which actually might have been in his wrist, but we won't go there, you know, and then my finger in his side, just like that painting did, you know, I won't believe. I mean, like, you know, we, and we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. You know, did Thomas just like, dudes, you know what? I got to get some fresh air and went for a walk. Uh, did he get the short end of the stick? Like, all right, who's going to go get food? Because someone's going to get food. I'm not going out there. You go out there. Rats. 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 And then down to the last guy. 
They're like, how'd you guys know I to do scissors? Because you always do scissors, Thomas. You know, and it, he's out. Whatever reason, he's not there when Jesus shows up the first time. And then a week later, it says, again, you know, behind the locked doors, Jesus stands in their midst. He just appears there. And there's really a, a question for us as we think about just the anxiety and the uncertainty they have is, you know, how do anxiety and fear in our lives betray our own disbelief? Because Thomas wasn't the only one that was doubting and uncertain. The other disciples the week before that were doubting and uncertain. Mary Magdalene at the tomb was doubting and uncertain. The disciples who were walking to Emmaus, you know, were doubting and uncertain, disappointed, and dealing with anxiety. And we were locked away in that. It was really easy for us to deal with disbelief, to struggle with disbelief, to deal with that sense of uncertainty. Maybe it's not in a complete outright denial, but it sometimes gnaws at us. A gnawing uncertainty, a gnawing wanting to be more certain, but we're just not. And anxiety and fear can truly cause us to lock those doors away and hide away in our anxiety and our fear. Especially, I think, sometimes here in the church circle, church world and relationships, if we're dealing with those anxieties and fears, guess what? One of the last places we want to share that with is most often here. Because, you know, if we were honest, and I mean, how many of us would really say, yeah, I've been dealing with, or I've dealt with, here's where I'm dealing with anxiety and fear in my life right now. And I deal with some disbelief and uncertainty, though I don't want to, and I do, and it's this kind of mixture of believing and struggling. But the reality is, if you're not there now, we've all been there at those moments in our lives. And so in many ways, like the disciples and like Thomas, we're there, and you know, if you're like me, there are times I, I'm like Thomas too. I'm going to say, Jesus, if I could just reach out and touch you. If you just, you know, take my hand when I'm standing there trembling and fearful. If you put your arm around me or embrace me with a hug, so that I know you're there. Now, the disciples, Thomas, they have the opportunity that Jesus says is unique to see him and to speak with him face to face. And Jesus goes on to say, but you know, those, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me and touched me, but for those who don't, you know, they're still given that gift of faith. And it's a faith that struggles. It's a faith that is still working through all of these anxieties and fears and disappointments and uncertainties. But it's a faith that still trusts in the one who shows himself as trustworthy, the one who defeated death itself, Jesus. And I love what Jesus, you know, does when he comes. Again, let's go. Before Thomas shows up, the 11 or the 10 are there and then others in the room. Jesus shows up and he says these words to them. And these are the words that Jesus says. Let's read this together from John 20, verse 19. Peace be with you. If you ever dealt with anxiety and fears and uncertainties, ever feel just a little tension and stress in your life, I mean, there's something about wanting to find Peace. And peace is more than just, hey, peace, man, kind of from the 60s, you know, or like the old um, southern or kind of 
spiritual song. I got peace like a river. I got peace like... Now, how many of you guys sing that in your head? I got peace like a river in my soul. In my soul. You didn't know you had to lift up your shirt, but you're like... See, you learn something new. Peace. Peace be with you. And so, you know, Jesus shares with them that peace. And now, you know, it's a week later, Thomas is with them, and then Jesus says some marvelous words to Thomas and those gathered around him. Let's read John 20, verse 26. Peace be with you. You probably didn't expect that, did you? Yeah, peace. Now, what does he mean when he says peace? Because again, peace is more than just, hey, peace, the way that we kind of greet each other. It's peace more than, you know, singing a song that maybe some of us learn in camp or Sunday school. Peace is a Hebrew word, shalom. And, and shalom has so much more depth to it. Yes, it was the way that they greeted each other. It was the way that, you know, as a Hebrew culture, as Jewish people, they would say to one another, shalom. Shalom was more than just a peaceful moment. It was more than just, you know, climbing to the bathtub or something like that and turning off all the noises. It's peace, it's harmony, it's wholeness, it's completeness, it's well-being, it's tranquility. It's God's love and God's forgiveness and God's presence with you in the risen Savior, Jesus. Jesus comes as they're in the midst of their anxiety and their uncertainties, when they are feeling overwhelmed and terrified, when they are struggling in disbelief behind those locked doors. Jesus says, peace be with you. And he says those same words to us today to the troubles and anxieties and the uncertainties that, you know, we wrestle with. Whether it's in our own lives or the lives of those around us within our community or our world, peace be with you. And Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul understood this as he goes on to explain a little more in depth what is peace is. And it says it this way, and he does this in a number of his letters, particularly in Philippians 4, 7. These words here, let's read this together. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which is beyond anything we can understand, anything we could ever imagine. Because God's peace is not a peace that is based on the realities of this world. It's not a peace that necessarily removes those things that makes us anxious and uncertain, terrified and unafraid. But it's a peace in the midst of all of this. It's a peace of knowing that we have a God who is with us and a God who loves us. A God who forgives us. It's a peace beyond anything the world can offer. And so here's the truth. The truth is, as we explore this encounter with the risen Jesus from the disciples to Thomas, doubting Thomas, let's call him believing Thomas, because he did believe, or finger-poking Thomas, because he poked his finger inside. It's this truth here. Jesus comes to us right in the midst of our fear, pain, doubt, and confusion. You don't have to have it all together for Jesus to be a part of your life. The disciples did not have it all together. But Jesus came and stood in their midst. 
and gave them peace. Not only did he give them peace, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, and then he sends them out as ambassadors of his peace. And he doesn't say again, look, get it all figured out just perfectly, just right, and then go out and get peace. You know, in the midst of figuring it all out, in the midst of sometimes dealing with anxiety and disbelief and belief and faith and trust, all at the same time, take that message of peace out into a world that so desperately needs peace. Bring my peace, which is beyond anything the world can offer, anything the world can truly understand. Assure them that I am with them and that I love them. And that's what he calls us to do. He offers us that peace here again today. He reassures us that peace is yours. And he sends us out into the community of Lincoln and all over the world to share that peace through our words, through our actions. The relationships of people we know to those that we just randomly meet to share the peace of the risen Savior, Jesus. Here at Holy Savior, we say that, you know, we're all about growing in Jesus and sharing his love. So growing in Jesus is growing in that certainty that the peace is yours. It grows in that certainty that he is in our midst, in the midst of the fears and anxieties and worries and doubts and frustrations in our lives. Is growing in Jesus means growing not only that head knowledge, but growing in living that peace in the midst of everything. It's also sharing his love, sharing his peace as he sends us out into this world, into our community, into our schools, to places that we work and the places we're going to hang out this week. As we do that, I'm going to give you a question for reflection because, you know, we said this throughout the season of Lent. I don't think we do a lot of sometimes deeper reflecting. So this is just a question for you to reflect and ponder with. You know, I, I don't have a perfect answer just for you, a broad answer for all of us in general. How are doubt and faith at work in your life? Because they are at work in your life, and as doubt and faith are working in your life, who is the one that stands in the midst of all of that? Who is the one that is there with you in the midst of your doubt and your faith? Jesus. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. For those encounters with you as the risen one, Lord, there were many, and a number of those are recorded. And in the midst of those that are recorded, we can see ourselves. We see ourselves like Thomas and the other disciples, locked behind closed doors, Lord, that we have made closed doors of hearts and relationships, of our doubts and our uncertainties, our fears. In the midst of that, Lord, you are there. You are with us. You love us. You forgive us. You give us your peace. Lord, we pray that that peace that's beyond anything the world can fully understand and comprehend, that peace has continued to shape our lives, that we can live that peace, your presence and your love, your forgiveness in our lives throughout every moment. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.